The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Missed you guys last week. Heather and I were on a, a, a rest and a vacation. And um, it's interesting, I was watching Jeff's video, and, and I get to preview these because I'm the type of person that gets emotional. So if I'm watching it, you don't want me to come out of here after seeing that fresh because then I'm just, I'm crying with you. But it's, it's interesting, one of the things that he, that he talked about was that, that peace of God. And sadly, most people never experience the peace of God because they're unwilling to take the steps necessary to walk in the peace of God. And, and one of the things that I love about Jeff and, and his heart and this, just the story is a lot of times, I mean, we're going to be in a scripture today where we're going to read the story and we have the benefit of being on the other side and seeing how it ends. A lot of times when we hear testimonies, we hear them well on the other side and everything works out great. But a lot of times we need to hear people while they're in the middle of a struggle because that's when the faith is real. That's when, that's when the emotions are raw. I mean, it's, it's, when I go through a struggle, the last thing I want is somebody to sit beside of me and go, Hey, you know what? Everything's going to be all right. But you know what? It's not right now. It's hard right now. I need somebody that's going to sit with me and say, this is awful, but I'm here. And that's one of the things that I love about the testimony of the creek and how you guys, when someone is hurting, you truly enter in and walk with them. I mean, th- this week, one of our creek families is hurting um, we lost Jerry Lovell this week. He went into the hospital Monday morning and, and passed away. And the thing that I love about our church is that when one hurts, we all hurt. And so we rally around each other, we support one another, and we walk with each other the way a family does. And so when, when we share testimonies, I think it's important for us to be able to see something going on in the middle of the struggle. And what I would say is be careful about trying to write your own ending. Man, let God be in the middle of that. Let God be the author, not just of your faith, but of your story in the middle of a struggle. And so uh, we've been in this series called One Church, and it's, it's all about vision and all about uh, where God wants to take us. And he wants to take us as a church somewhere. And the only way that we as a church go somewhere is if you and I are surrendered to what God wants to do in our life. See, we will never get where God wants us to go if I'm unwilling to go where God wants me to go. You will never go where God wants us to go unless you are willing to go where God wants you to go. And that's, that's the whole premise behind this one church, that we as a church, God has put a vision and a calling on us to reach people to walk with people who's go, who are going through the most difficult days of their life, the darkest days of their life. We're also called to be a church and walk with people who are going through the greatest things. I love that. Sundays, it's like an emotional roller coaster because so many of you are going through difficult things and, and I'm, I'm gonna hurt with you, I'm gonna sit with you and there's so many people in this room and in this church that are gonna sit and hurt with you but then when you're celebrating, we're like, yes! And I love celebrating. I love giving high fives, hugs, and just praise to God for all the good stuff he's going on, got going on in your life. And that's the balance. But God has called us to celebrate life change 
in our community. And he's called us to walk with people who are in darkness and walk with people into that light that he has given us. And, and we've, we've been going through this, these, these kind of tracking these messages. Last week, Trinity talked about hearing from God. And I know hearing from God can be a very difficult thing. Can I challenge you a little bit? If you are a Christ follower, if you are a Christian, if you have submitted your life to Christ, if you've if you've committed your life to him as your Lord and Savior, let me help you with some truth about who you are. You are a daughter of a king. You are a son of a king. And in that relationship, you carry authority of our Father God. You carry the authority of a king. And when you speak, you can speak blessing and you can speak curse. And your words under the authority of a king carry an impact. And one of the things that I, that, that I really wish people who are Christ followers would stop saying is, I can't hear from God. Because what you're doing is you're declaring, you're putting a royal decree on your own ears saying, by the authority of my father, the king, I can't hear from my dad. So start speaking that with that authority. God, I can hear you. God, I'm going to hear you. And people think hearing God is the most difficult thing. Today's going to take it a step further. The most challenging thing isn't hearing God, but it's walking in obedience to God's will. And it's walking obediently with what he tells us to do. I mean, these last, this last two weeks, we've been going through our family devos. We've been going through um, this one church campaign. And, and we've got the website we launched. That's thecreekfw.com slash one-church. Is that a way to say it? One-church? One-church? Um, if you go to our homepage, it's going to be there. So if you just go to thecreekfw.com. So you can see what... what God has put on us as a church. And see, it's cool to hear that from God. And, and, and I've spent a lot of time over the last months going, God, have I heard you? God, are you sure? Is this what you want to do? Are you positive? Because the last thing I want to do is go into construction. If you were here through that first one, you know how much I love it. I am not called to build buildings and God says, this is what I've asked you to do. And so what I have to say is, okay, God, we're going to walk in obedience. So we've been doing our prayer. We've been doing the fasting. We've been doing the daily devos with your family. On October 30th, we're going to come together. That's just two weeks. We're going to come together as a church family, and we're going to make a commitment together and say, here is what I feel that I have heard from God on how to be a part of this campaign. Here is what I feel God has led me to do. And, and, and if you don't know me, uh, let me just help you. I, we all carry baggage about money in church. And my prayer through this campaign is that it's not just a fundraising deal. This has to be a spiritual process. If we're not more in love with Jesus by the time we're through with this, it's a failure. I don't care how much money we raise. Our purpose is not to raise money. It's to be more in love with Jesus. And it is to be a city on a hill. It is to be that light. It is to be the salt. It is to be a group of people who are under the authority of God, who work together and walk in unity as one church to go outside of these walls and reach our community, to go into our workplaces, to go into our neighborhoods and bring hope to the hopeless, to bring help to the helpless, 
to bring peace to those who are in turmoil, to bring freedom to those who are in bondage, to bring the light of salvation that comes through the Jesus Christ, our Savior, to those who are living in darkness. They're dead living. That's our purpose. And so when we come together, we're gonna say, God, here's what I believe that you've put on my heart. If God doesn't speak to you, don't do anything. So if, if you're sitting there like, oh, here we go, he's talking about money. Yeah, if God doesn't say anything to you, don't do anything. But if God's speaking to you, then my challenge to you is walk in obedience. God has used the campaign that we did four years ago to heal me a lot of my baggage between church and money. And my prayer is that God is taking us through this to heal some of you in that process. So if you've, got, if you've got your Bible, go to two uh, passages. Go to James chapter two and go to Joshua chapter one. If you don't have a Bible, we keep some on the back rows for you. If you don't own one, write your name in it. That's our gift to you. If you've got a smartphone, smart device of some sort, um, then you can find it in an app called YouVersion or you can just Google uh, James two and Joshua one. Um, What I'm learning is that, that God, I, I, people ask me all the time, why doesn't God just do this? Why doesn't God just do this? I mean, if God is all powerful, why didn't he just snap his fingers and make everything better? I mean, why do we have to live out the turmoil of the world? Why is there so much pain and suffering in the world? Why is there so much evil in the world? Why, you know, and, and you could just fill in the blank. I mean, we could sit here until tomorrow coming up with these questions. But what I've learned is God chooses to work in and through us. And that he says, where there is suffering, I want to send you. Where there is pain, I want my grace and my healing to work in you and through you to go and reach those in those situations. Because God doesn't want to just fix everything. If you're a parent, you understand this. If you just fix the issue for your kid, your child never learns anything. And God doesn't want us walking around without wisdom. God wants us to have wisdom. He wants us to know him and to be known by him. He wants us to engage and he calls us to walk in this life. And he is always speaking to us. And he always wants us to engage in the work that he has going on in the world. The, the difference is there's a chasm between hearing God and obeying God. I mean, we'll, we'll get to a point of saying, I know this is the right thing to do, but... In James chapter four, you're going to James chapter two, but in James chapter four, verse 17, he tells us that if you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, it's sin. So what, what that puts us into is I know this is the right thing to do, but what we're saying is I'm choosing to walk in disobedience. And, and what we have to understand, well, let's look at it. James chapter two, there's, there's an process that happens. There's a fruit from our obedience. So James chapter two, verse 14, he writes, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, you've got to be careful because there's a lot of lines that get drawn from this passage. 
that we think in order for God to love us, in order for us to be saved, then we have to work for it. We have to earn our salvation. That is not the truth. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that it is a gift of God. We're saved by grace. But we are saved by grace to do the work God has planned for us in advance. And what James is teaching us here is, is look, you can say you have faith, And it needs to lead you to action. Our action doesn't make God love us. The faith and understanding that God loves us, died for us, and saved us, leads us to then act on that. We've got to get the cart and the horse in the right position. But someone will say, you have faith, but I have works, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. So there's a motivation here that we've got to understand. There is, we can't just sit around and say, well, I've got faith. God loves me, I'm saved, and I'm not going to do anything. We're called to action. See, that's the thing where I, I get so sad for people who, make a decision, and they say, Jesus, here I am. I'm giving you my life. I'm a sinner. I'm asking for your grace. I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to make me your son or your daughter. I'm asking you to be the Lord of my life. And they make that decision. And you heard Jeff talk about it. There was a decision to give his life to Christ, but it wasn't until later that he fully surrendered. Because when we fully surrendered, it moves us from saying, I have faith. And when we fully surrender our lives to Christ, when we fully surrender our life for God to do what he wants to do in us and through us, then it moves us from I have faith to God, what are we doing? Let's do this. And it becomes very productive. I mean, I, I, I can't say that. It becomes very productive. We would have to edit and I can't do that. Um, But without the obedience to Christ, Christianity is just a theory. Without obedience to Christ, we never see the power of God released. You see, our obedience is the key to our faith. Here's one of your feelings. Obedience is the key to our faith coming alive and releasing the power of God in our life. That's why I said so many people will say, I so desperately desire the peace of God. And I see in his word that God, you said that, my favorite verse, Isaiah 26, 3, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. God, I see that you'll keep me in peace. God, I see in your word that you will give me a peace that passes understanding. God, I see that you will guard me with your, your peace, that you will protect me with your peace, that you will guide me with your peace. God, I need your peace in the middle of this storm. And I can hear what God is saying. But if I don't walk in obedience to what he is saying, that power of God to bring the peace that passes all understanding never activates in my life. And I continue to walk around in that turmoil. Like I can hear peace, but I don't feel peace. And it's because I'm lacking in obedience. I'm not walking obediently. I mean, think about being a parent. Those of you who are parents, if your kids aren't walking in obedience, (laughs) there is some friction, right? (laughs) <laughs> we, we were trying to get off the cruise ship yesterday, and there was this little girl sitting on the floor, and her attitude, I wanted to do a correction on it. 
I was about to say, Mom, if you want to start spanking her, I'll step in. You know I mean? Because the mom's like, I'm going to give you a spanking. I'm like, amen. There's still people who will discipline their kids. Now, don't get all jealous. I can't believe you said that. <laughs> if you don't have kids, <laughs> keep dreaming. If you got kids, you got to figure out what discipline works in your house. And you know what? You got to implement that discipline because you implement that discipline. Why? Because your kids are walking in disobedience and you want them to what? Walk in obedience. God disciplines us, those that he loves. He will discipline because he wants us to walk in obedience. And we have a choice whether to obey or not. And here's the thing that I see in church that gets confused. It's intentions versus actions. We will judge ourselves based on our intentions. Yet we judge others based on their actions. Well, that person didn't do anything to help. Well, neither did I, but I intended to. I was going to. I had the best of intentions, so have some grace on me. Intentions start here, but they got to get out. Intentions, I have faith. Actions, God, let's do this. And what I've seen is that, that disobedience happens in different ways. Uh, the first one is direct disobedience. This is that defiance. This was that probably three-year-old child yesterday laying on the floor in the middle of all these people throwing a fit because she didn't want to get up. She didn't want to move. And she's in direct disobedience of what her mother was saying. This is, this is really rooted in selfishness. This happens in the church. This is, this is when we throw fits in church. And, and, and I, here's, what I, here's how I see this played out. This direct disobedience plays out like this. I know what the Bible says, but I'm going to do something different. What we have done is we've just made ourselves, we've set ourselves in direct disobedience to the word of God. I know what the word of God says, but that's not what I want. And I want to live the way I want to live, and I don't want to live the way God's word tells me, and so I'm going to discount God's word as the truth because I don't believe that's the truth because I don't like it. And we begin to throw away all the things that guide us and there's no absolutes and there's no truth in our life and our truth becomes defined by what we want and what makes us feel good and what makes us happy and what makes us satisfied. And what happens is we just start becoming more disobedient, 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 disobedient. We become more selfish, more selfish, more selfish. And then we expect everyone around us to cater to us. I see it played out all the time. Then there's delayed obedience. This is the one most of us live in. This is where I, I'm willing to follow Jesus and obey to the point to where I feel uncomfortable or insecure. This, this is, uh, Jesus, I'm all in. Wait, I don't know if I want to do that. I mean, we, we did an excursion that I will never get Heather on again. We got on in this dune buggy in Mexico, and we go racing through the streets of Cozumel, and then we go through the jungle, which was awesome, and then it went downhill from there. We got on a little two-person speedboat, which is more like a skipping stone if you think about it. I mean, the ocean was rough, and Heather's like, I just want off this ride. She's like, Can you, I'll jump out and swim to shore. Please just let this be over, and at that point, I mean, I'm feeling my kidneys like up in here. 
You know, and we'd hit this wave, uh, uh, and there's no shock absorbers on a boat. And I mean, it was, it was rough. And we're, we're like that with God. God, I'm willing to go with you as long as everything's smooth, and I'm enjoying the ride. But when things start getting rough, I'm out. You know, I, I counsel with so many, and they're like, I feel like I heard God tell me about this ministry that he's laid on my heart. And then when you start engaging in that ministry and you meet the opposition of the enemy or you face challenges, you start to think, oh, I didn't sign up for this. Let me tell you what we signed up for. Jesus, here's my life for yours. If it means walking through trouble, if it means walking through suffering, if it means walking through hell, it's the best place because I know you're leading me. It took Heather and I months to come to the decision to plant the church. I didn't want to do it. I didn't feel equipped. I didn't feel comfortable with it. I didn't think I was the right man to do it. And God just kept taking me back to Moses. Moses said, God, I'm not your guy. And God says, yes, you are. So we delay that obedience and what happens is when I, when I find that, I'm, I might just be preaching to myself here. When I start delaying my obedience, my, my, my tendencies are this. I will wait. I'm going to push what God said aside and hope that he forgets. You, you do that with your kids, right? Can we go to McDonald's? Oh, oh there's a new Chuck E. Cheese open on 35. You're welcome. Uh, can we go to Chuck E. Cheese? We'll see. We'll see. Maybe. And you keep pushing. I'm hoping your kids are going to forget. Your kids, when it comes to things like that, they have a memory like an elephant. God doesn't forget. Like, I'm just going to wait. I'm, what are you doing? I'm waiting on the Lord. What does that mean? I'm hoping he forgets what he asked me to do. Some of you men experience that. What are you doing? I'm waiting on my wife. Why? She asked me to unload the dishwasher. Maybe she'll forget. She might forget until she opens that door. And then, did you unload the dishwasher? I'm getting ready to do it now. So then, yeah, on my way, honey. Or we'll question it. God, is that really you? Is that really you, God? Man, I don't know. God, is that, are you really calling me to do this, God? Are you really saying to, to commit myself to this, God? Are you really saying to give sacrificially this to you? Are you really saying that you want me to launch a ministry that reaches these people? Let me help you filter this. The enemy's never going to tell you to do anything that's going to bring the gospel to more people. The enemy's never going to tell you to do anything that's going to keep you walking in the obedience of God. So we start to question it. Maybe I didn't. And I, I, can, I can talk to these because I've been through them. Or we compromise. God, I'll do this, but I don't want to do that. God, I... I I hear what you're saying, and, and you know what? Can we, can, we, can we compromise a little bit? Can it, can it not be that difficult? I mean, can, can I experience more joy than suffering? God, can I, can, I, can I have it my way? To which God replies, this ain't Burger King. I don't know. I just wanted to say that. God calls us to obey Quickly, without waiting, quietly, without questioning, and completely without compromising. 
When we find ourselves in one of these areas of, of disobedience, it's, it's really rooted in fear. And these fears play out because fear keeps us from walking in obedience. What are these fears? There's the fear of failure. What if I mess up? I've messed up a lot. But I've learned that there's more grace in walking in obedience with God. I'd rather fail in his grace than fail. I'd rather fail in his grace than succeed in my own power. Because that's even more lasting. Then, you know, people are like, so this fear of failure, it's like a fear of death. What if this kills me? What if I die doing this? I read a quote the other day that said, the only thing death can do to a Christian is make our lives eternally better. So what are we afraid of? So we've got this fear of failure. We have a fear of success. I mean, what if this works? What do I do? I mean, Heather and I will reflect. We'll go through times in this last week. We're reflecting, and, and I'm just, we're in awe of what God has done at the creek in the last six and a half years. And sometimes that can be very scary. It's like, what do we do now? I mean, we sit in staff meetings on Monday mornings. Good. What do we do now? We've never experienced this as a church. I mean, a couple, two weeks ago, there were almost 1,000 people at church and we're like, what do we do? What do we do with these people? <laughs> God, obviously you're doing something right, but can you help us on what to do next? Then there's this fear of man. You know, the, the, do, do we live by the critics? Somebody's gonna, oh, there's always gonna be a critic. There's always gonna be somebody, even in the church, that says, you can't do that. You just need to settle down. These people coming in here getting saved and they're all excited about Jesus and oh, we'll just put up with them for a little while. They'll calm down. I would rather have a church full of people who are excited about Jesus than people waiting for people to calm down because that's where life happens. We're not called to fear man. We're called to fear God. Who are we trying to please? If we try to please man, whew, good luck with that. We have a fear of the future. What's gonna happen? I mean, look at Abraham. We talked about him a couple weeks ago. He stepped out, obeyed God with an unknown future. I mean, we, we get, uh, what about our future? What about what's gonna happen? And so these are fears that keep us from walking in obedience. Now, go to Joshua chapter one. And let's, let's look at Joshua. I'm gonna start reading chapter one, verse one. Here we go. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. 
For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being very careful, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua has a choice. God is speaking to him. He's hearing God. Joshua has a choice here. Am I going to walk in obedience? He's saying, be strong and courageous. God, you want me to lead these people where? You want me to walk them through that river into this land that you've said you've given us and that no one's going to oppose us? God, that, that, that sounds great. But how do I know? You're telling me be strong and courageous, and I'm struggling a little bit. Joshua has a choice. You and I have a choice. But here's what we have to realize. Our obedience or our disobedience, it affects more than just us. If Joshua says, you know what, God, that's, that's good, but I, I, I can't do it. I'm happy right here. I, I'll go this far. I'll get your people to the Jordan, but then, you know what, find somebody else to take them across. His disobedience doesn't affect just Joshua. It affects an entire nation from stepping into the promise of God. See, our obedience to God impacts this whole community. For them to step in the promise of God that he will never leave us or forsake us, that he has given his life for us, that he loves us even while we were yet sinners. There's a promise that God has. In verse 10, And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. There's always something cool about the third day, right? Joshua's obedient. What's interesting is he makes this decision. Joshua chapter three, they cross. And what we've got to understand to walk in obedience, there's some things we got to look at foundationally in our life and that is to believe that God is for you. God's just not gonna say, hey, I'm, I'm gonna see if Joshua can swim. Joshua, I wanna see you make it through this, this river. Too many times, we, we, we watch too much drama and sitcoms on TV. We think that our life is God's drama or God's sitcom. Where God tells the angels, ooh, tune in next week to see what happens to Matt. <laughs> Plot twist. We've got to believe that God is for us. And when we're surrendered, he can do this through us. That God is good. I mean, you, you, do you believe God is good? Yes. And do you believe that he, he wants to work in you and through you? God is for you. If God is for you, 
who can be against you? The other thing with Joshua, and what we have to do is don't believe the critics, because critics are going to make judgments and assessments with minimal information. They're not going to know the whole truth. They're not going to know everything God spoke to you. In Numbers chapter 13, the, the Israelites send spies into the land to go check it out. Like, tell us what we're going to see. Tell us what we're going to experience. Because a lot of us want to know, right? We want to know what's around the corner. And they came back and they said, hey, this land that you sent us to, dude, it flows with milk and honey. It is a good land. Here's some of the fruit. However, <laughs> but those people are huge and they're strong. Their cities are fortified. They're very large. I don't think you can take it. I don't think you can take it. Too many times our walk of obedience with God stops because someone in our life who hasn't heard from God tells you, I don't think we can take it. I don't think we can do this. Here's what I've learned about the faithfulness of God, that when he speaks to you, he is faithful to see it through. And that he will not call you to anything that his power cannot sustain you through. I mean, we're, we're, we're looking at this, this campaign, this adding square footage. And here's the thing. We're called to be smart about it, but we're called to step in faith. And there are people in the construction industry, and there's people that are like, I don't think you can do this. I don't think your church can do this. I don't think you're a point. You know what? Thank you for your input. I will take that under advisement. That's the wisdom of God. Let me, let me discern what you're saying against the word of God because our critics don't always have all the information. But we do have to be smart. See, Joshua has to take this information and go, this has to play into how we take the land because we can't just roll in there unprepared. No, we're here. We're here to take your land, big guy. They've got to prepare for it. They've got to be ready for it. They've got to go with what God says. I mean, that, that's the thing. Some of the questions I've gotten about our project. Are we really going to try to do all this? Let me, let, me, let me tell you something. I'm believing God to do everything that we need to do. Amen. And what God provides is enough. So I'm trusting in God through this. I want to see more lives changed. And we'll scale this project back. I'm not going to put us in a position. God has not called me to lead the church into failure. God has called me to lead the church into a stronger position to reach this community. And I'm not going to jeopardize that. If that means we pull pieces of this project back, I'm not pulling it back based on my critics. I'm pulling it back based on the wisdom of God. And that's how we're going to go forward with this. That's how you've got to go forward with the call of God in your life. There's always going to be people that tell you you can't do it. And there's always going to be people that tell you you can. Be careful with them too. Because most of the time they're like, I'll hold your beer. You can do this. <laughs> Listen to God. Listen to God. God's not going to say, hey, I'll hold your beer. I know you can do this. But God's also not going to be the one that tells you, you can't do what I've called you to do. Don't believe your critics. 
He told Joshua this three times, be strong and courageous. You and I are not called to walk in fear. You and I have not been given a spirit of fear. We've been given a spirit of love, peace, and a sound mind. Perfect love casts out fear. We are not called to walk in fear. When God calls us, yes, it can be scary, but we're not called to walk in fear. We're called to walk in obedience. And and here's the thing that I have seen over and over. God played out, his faithfulness played out in my life, that when I walk into it, I can walk into it scared, but I don't walk into it afraid. And when I walk into it and I'm walking in his obedience, then his love casts out that fear. That the things, we're, we're afraid of things we can't see. But what happens is when we walk in obedience, we're walking in the light of God. We're walking in the light of Christ and he illuminates our step. And what happens is I'm scared of what's over there because I can't see it. But you know what? When I step right here, I can see right here. And that which was in the dark has been made known in the light. And I can see this. Okay, God, you got this. Okay. Oh, man, you've got this. And we just keep walking. We keep walking. We be strong and courageous. If you need help, that's the beauty of the church. That's the beauty of us as a family. We get in. We do this together. What I have learned is that our obedience is what precedes the miraculous of God in our life. We sit around praying, God, I need a miracle. God, I need a miracle. God, I need a miracle. God, I need you to do this. God, I need this. I need this. I need this. And I mean, we, we so desperately want to see miracles happen in our life. Look at what Peter, oh, excuse me, Peter and Jesus experienced on the water. Peter says to Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come out there. And Jesus is like, it's me. Come on. <laughs> okay. Just want to know, Jesus. Just making sure. Just checking. No, it's a miracle Peter walked on the water. But what had to happen before those steps was the obedience. His heart had to surrender in obedience before he could step. And he's walking on the water every time. We are never going to see God do the miraculous if we're unwilling to walk in obedience. God is speaking, God is speaking, God is speaking. And and what I've learned is our obedience puts us in the presence of God. It releases his provision. And you know what? Just here it is at the the, the base of my heart. I want to be a part of something that God is doing. I don't want to be trying to manufacture a move of the Holy Spirit. I want to be a part of what God is doing. And God is doing incredible things in our community. And I want to get on board with that. And I, at the end of my life, when I, I want to hit the grave used up and got nothing left. I want to slide into heaven like I'm sliding into home. And I stand up and God's like, well, you just left it all on the table, didn't you? Yes, I did. I don't want to die with potential. At the end of my life, I want it all on the table. And I think every one of us want that too. Every one of us want to be a part of what God is doing. God may use us as a church to raise up the next missionary out of Creek Kids that goes to Rwanda and millions of lives are changed. God may raise up somebody that's right now in the preschool ministry that we're going to plant as a church planner that's going to reach thousands or millions of lives in the United States. 
God's got ministries he's laid on your heart. I want to see you reaching lives with what God's laid on your heart. There is no better walk than to walk with Jesus in obedience. And here's one of the things, all the things that I want to see, here's what I can tell you with absolute certainty. If we're not obedient, we will never see him. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. God, we know you're speaking to us. Help us to be obedient. God, some people in this room right now, you're calling them to a life. You're calling them to salvation. You're calling them to surrender their life to you. Not just make a decision to say, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior, but make a decision to say, God, here is my life. Do with it what you know is best, and I will walk in obedience. Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross, not just to pay for my sin, but to gain the authority to be the author and finisher of my faith, to write a story through my life that glorifies you. And I pray that as I walk in obedience, God, you receive the glory. God, that I walk faithfully and see you move in ways that I've never imagined possible. We love you and we thank you and we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.